So this morning I'm going to be speaking on um, Luke 21, verse 1 to 4. And this scripture um, can be used for preaching on uh, tithing and offering. And I've used it many, many times when I've been taking the offering up in church. But this morning I feel to use it to go a different way about it. It's not just about tithing and offering, but it's about our worship and our heart unto God. So let's just have a look at the scripture. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow putting two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this woman has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. So if we just look a little bit at the background of the, of the information, what's going on here. So the temple was structured in such a way that offering was a very, very public thing. Um, everybody could see who was given into the offering. Everybody could see how much they were given. There was, nothing, there was no discreetness about putting your hand into a bag and um, putting it into an envelope so nobody sees what you're given. It was very, very public. And so the way it was laid out, it was 13 offering boxes in the courtyard of the temple. And so each box would have the shape of a trumpet on top. The money would go in the top of the big part of the trumpet and slide down to the bottom part where it'd be collected later on. And so this was for all different ministries that was going on in the area. And it was called um, a free will offering. So it wasn't something that they were commanded to do. It wasn't something that they were ordered to do. It wasn't a yearly offering. It was just something that they wanted to do to give out of their own hearts. And in those days, there was no such thing as paper notes. So everything was coins. And all the money was either gold, silver, or copper. So when you dropped your money in, everybody knew you were given. They'd hear the clinging and the clanging of all the coins dropping down. And some people would probably know the difference of the noise between the gold and the copper. And here in this part of the scripture, we read that Jesus is standing or he's sitting near the temple. And he sees the people queuing up to give their offerings. And if you see the picture, I try to look up pictures for it. You can see it's kind of in a line. And so it's crowded. And if you've, if you've been watching The Chosen, you can see that these towns weren't a few people. Like it's like Henry Street on Christmas Eve. It's jam-packed like your shoulder to shoulder. So there's no like discreetly getting up there and dropping your offering in and running away. Everybody can see what's going on. So Jesus is sitting by and he sees this. He sees the rich coming. Um, he sees how they are, they are acting. That you know They're probably a little bit smug, a um, little grin on their face, thinking how wealthy I am. Everybody can see what I'm putting in. But he doesn't say anything about them. And these rich people, they're saying it without saying it, if you know what I mean. So without verbally saying, look what I'm giving. Their body language and their actions are saying, look what I'm giving. So they're probably sighing, they're probably lifting up the offering bag, like, thinking they have a big kettlebell in their hand and they're holding like this, the weight of this and looking around, who's looking to see that I'm struggling, standing in the queue, waiting to give this money. And hoping people are thinking, wow, like, they're really rich. Look how much they're giving to God. And maybe thinking, God's going to bless me because look how much I'm giving. Look at the weight of this bag and I'm pouring all this in. So Jesus sees all of this, but he also sees the poor widow. 
and she reaches up to the treasury box and she puts in two small coins. So days would, their noise would be all clink, 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 and hers would be a little clink, clink. So, like, very, very quiet. And maybe it was like the half cents that we used to have, they're gone now, but them little half cents, maybe it was them two tiny little coins that she had. You see, this poor woman didn't have a smug look on her face. And she wasn't looking around for anyone's attention to look at her and see what she was given. Maybe she was standing in the queue hiding what she was given. Maybe she was a little bit embarrassed to looking at them with their big, huge bags of money. And she's standing there with her two little coins in a close fist holding it to her chest, saying, well, I'm going and I'm going to give this. Maybe she's hoping when she gets to, up to the top that either side of her is going to be two very, very rich people. And the noise of their money going in, everybody will be focused on them and they won't realise that she's putting in two tiny little coins. Maybe she's feeling a little bit of shame because that's all she has. Maybe she's embarrassed in case someone slags her or pulls her up and says, you didn't even put anything in. Can you imagine this poor woman? Can you envision her in your mind? Maybe <coughs> holding that money so, so close. Not making eye contact with anybody. She just wants to get up there and give this unto, the God, unto God. You see, the scripture tells us that this poor woman was a widow. So we can guess that she had no family to look after. She doesn't work because back then women weren't allowed to work. She doesn't own her own property because back then women weren't allowed to have their own property. So she has nothing. She has no steady income coming into her house week by week. She has nothing. All she has is the gifts that maybe friends and people in the community would give her. But the interesting part about this scripture is what Jesus notices. What he's trying to get the the disciples to focus on. You see, it's not the amount of money that she's putting into the box that he's telling them to look at. But he's saying, look at the faith that she has in God. You see, the scripture says she gave all she had. She could have given one kind, and she could have held one kind back. Not knowing when the next time is someone's going to give her money. Not knowing if she's going to have food on her table the next day. So it would have been perfectly okay for her to keep one kind back and give one kind unto God. But instead... She says, no, I'm giving my all unto God. You see, she put her full trust, her full dependence, she put it on him. And in verse 3, Jesus said, this poor woman has put in more than all the others. He didn't say she put in more than some of them. He didn't say she put in more than many of them. He said she put in more than all. So all. Including the ones with the huge, huge big bags. You see, for them, they all gave out of their abundance. They all gave out of their wealth. They probably could have afforded more. They probably had a lot more that they could have given, but they didn't give. But she gave out of her poverty. She sacrificed everything that she had unto God. And Jesus commends her for what she'd done. You see, he's far more interested and he's far more impressed and touched with the faith that she has and with the motivation in her heart that she has to put everything she has onto God. And the scripture doesn't say that Jesus condemns the rich. 
He doesn't say anything bad about, well, they had so much money. He didn't, doesn't say anything bad about them. He just simply acknowledges that this poor widow gave her last two pennies or her last two coins. He acknowledges that she has left herself with nothing to give her all to God. Isn't that what we've just been singing this morning? That we're giving her all to God. And because the offering was such a public place, I'm guessing that people around her would have been more focused on the rich men. They would have been more focused on the people that were coming up with the big, huge bags, maybe having a little bet and a little gamble with themselves, saying, oh, here comes the fisherman. I bet you he has a big bag. And then the friend saying, oh, here's the farmer behind. His bag will even double the size. Maybe they're sitting there listening to the noise and they know the difference of the coins that's going in. Maybe they're betting with each other. I bet you he gave this much. I bet you he gave that much. But none of them know it was the poor little woman. Jesus was probably the only one that noticed this woman. Noticed the way she was standing, the way she was trying to get up and drop it and run away before anybody knew. You see, he sees her. He didn't only notice her, he sees her. And see, God sees us. Maybe he was the only one that realized she's sacrificing everything she has onto God. You see, to God, the amount that you give doesn't matter to him. The amount that you hold back does matter. The amount that you keep back for yourself, it does matter. When it's an issue of the heart, I'm not talking about money, I'm talking about an issue of the heart. It matters big time to him. You see, God wants our full heart. He doesn't want 99%. He doesn't want 99.5%. God wants 100% of our heart. He wants us to give a full heart and have a full heart of worship unto him. He wants everything that's inside our hearts, the scary bits, the frightened bits, the hurt bits, the bits that you won't let anybody know about, the bits that you don't want anyone to see. You see, he wants them bits too because he wants to heal, he wants to restore, he wants to refresh, he wants to mend, and he wants to pour love in. <coughs> and I believe that Jesus sees what we bring to God. I'm not talking about money again, but I believe that he wants us to be like this poor widow and to give all we have unto God. You see, he doesn't really care how much money I have in my bank account. He's not really interested in how much I put into the offering every week. He's not really interested about the ministry that I support or the people that I support who are away on ministry. He doesn't really care about that. Now listen, listen to my heart. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be putting money in. And I am not saying we shouldn't be supporting people because yes, yes, we should. 100% we should be. So don't go out and think, well, Anna said, God doesn't care if you don't put your money in. I am not saying that at all. He does care. But what I'm saying, the most important part is that we give our all unto Jesus. Like, do you remember when you were growing up and you got a job and you had to give up your wages or part of your wages? What was it for? It was to help for the running of the house. It was to help your ma get the messages. It was help, to help everything, wasn't it? And it was to teach us as well about giving. And see, that's why we gave our offering into church. Because we're helping the house. It's not because God needs our money, but we're helping the house. We're helping our family. We're supporting our family who are away on missionaries. So yes, it is important to give. So don't go out and say, Anna said, God doesn't care. But God is more interested in how much 
of our heart that we give him. He's interested in how much faith we have and how much trust we have in him. He's interested in how much we depend on him and worship him. You see, our desire, our desire should be to honor God and to put him first in every area. Imagine if your child or your grandchild has a favorite teddy and they wrap it up and they come to you and say, I love this teddy, but I'm giving it to you because I love you. Like, imagine what would that do to you? <laughs> that would just melt your heart, wouldn't it? Like, the hardest of heart has to be melted if they do that. Imagine they drew a picture for you and they poured every bit of heart, their heart and love and every bit of creativity they have, they poured into that picture and they hand it to you and say, look what I made for you. Now, to you, it might be a load of scribbles. You haven't a clue what that picture is. But to them, it's a masterpiece. This is their prized possession. They have created this, and they have given this to you because they love you. Like, do you really need that, Teddy? Do you really need that little drawing that they've given you? No. But are you going to say to them, I don't want it? No, you're never going to do that. Because your heart is going to be so full. You see, it's the message behind of what they're doing. It's not the teddy. The teddy could be ripped to pieces. The drawing could be just squiggles. But it's the message that comes with it. That this is my prized possession and I'm giving it to you. You see, you can't put a price on that. That's actually priceless. And that's what that, this old widow did. She gave her most prized possession unto God. Everything that she had. Everything. To us, it might just look like it was only two pennies. But to her, that was her life. That was her prized possession. That was, she had nothing, nothing else to give. And that's what she gave. So as she was dropping them coins in, she was saying, Lord, I love you. And this is all I have, but I love you. And I'm giving it to you. Because I trust and I believe that you are going to provide for me. You see, the widow's gift revealed her heart. What did she love most? Did she love the money or did she love God? What did she put her trust in? Was it the little pennies or was it God? And what do we love the most? What do we put our trust in? So it could be money for some people. It could be material things. It could be the latest gadgets that's going around. It could be to have the most likes and the most followers on social media. It could be that we long to get praises and a pat on the back from someone sitting next to us. Maybe it's about having the best car or living in the nicest area. Any of these things can become important in their lives. And any of these things we can put in place of God. And I believe that today that God is calling us back into a place of worship. He's calling us back to give our whole self unto him. Calling us back to our first love. Remember that first encounter you had with God. Remember when you asked him into your heart. How excited you were. How loved you felt how you felt new and warm and fuzzy and maybe you didn't realize what you had done and what you were getting into, but you knew there was something at the happening inside of you. Remember how excited you were to go to church, to go to Bible studies, because you just wanted to know more and more and more about this Jesus. And that's why he's calling us back to a place of worship. Why should we worship? Seven reasons why we should worship. We should worship God because of who he is. We should worship God because of what he done for us. We should worship God because he commands us to. We should worship God to bless and honour him. 
We should worship God because we love him. We should worship God because of what he's doing on the earth. And we should worship God so we can draw near to him. And all of them are just like the values of our church, aren't they? What can worship do for us? Worship is a powerful tool that we can use. You see, when the enemy comes at us, we sing back to him the praises and the worship of the one true God that we know will get us away from him. You see, worship is where we invite God into our presence, into our storm. Worship can change us. It can let us see things differently. Worship is a spiritual act that happens when our spirit connects with God. Worship is pouring our hearts out, our love and devotion onto God. The Bible, or the Word of God, tells us, John 4:24. Jesus said, God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and truth. Psalm 95, 6. Come, let us bow down and worship, let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Psalm 100, verse 2. Worship the Lord with gladness. 1 Chronicles 16:29. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Luke 4, verse 8. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Why only worship him? What can worship do? What can worship can do for me personally? You see, worship can push you through into your destiny. It can cleanse you from your past. Worship can heal your heart, can heal your mind, can heal your soul. Worship breaks courses. It restores faith. It renews your mind. Worship breaks off strongholds. It sets us free. Worship breaks generational sin. It lets us hear and it lets us see God. Worship brings us into the throne room of God. It gives us peace. It gives us release, joy, and it gives us strength. Worship can cause us to fly and to soar above the storm. Worship builds our relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. It's thanking God and showing him our gratitude. Are we willing to be worshippers of God? You see, that scripture in Luke shows us that the spirit of giving outweighs the value or the amount that you give. It shows us that God doesn't really need our money. He wants our hearts. He wants us. That's all he wants. And the Bible, or the disciples probably thought Jesus was trying to show them, look what this woman has given. She's only given a little amount. Maybe they thought it was a lesson on money. But he was actually teaching them to have a desire to give unto God. You see, he's telling them, God doesn't really need your money. Psalm 59 to 11. I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pen. For every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a, on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. So if God owns all of that, why does he need their money? He doesn't need their money. You see, the widow's gift reveals her heart. And our worship reveals our heart. You can just put up that next picture there, Malplace. So here we have a picture of a rich man with his back to God. And he's pouring in the big, large bag of money. And then we see the poor widow. But if you look at the widow... She's putting her two little pennies in. But look where her hand is. She's reaching up to God. You see, as she's given her all into the offering, she's saying, Father, I know. 
I know I give this and you're going to give to me. I know I trust in you. You're going to pour out everything on me. I know as I put these two pennies in, you're going to provide for me. You see, her hand is in the one who created her. It's not in the money. She's letting go of the money and she's holding on to the Father. See, worship unto God is giving your heart, it's giving your life. And we should be motivated by a desire to get to know who he is, to be like this old woman. No, I'm letting that go and I'm holding on to him. Noel shared this story many, many times. I actually had to ring him this morning to ask him the guy's name. (laughs) But there was a young boy called Evan Roberts from Wales. And one day the offering was going around in the church. And the offering, it was a plea, and the plea came to him. This was back in 1904. The plea came to him, and he put the plea on the ground. And he stood on the offering plea, and he said, Lord, I have no money, but you can have all of me. And that young boy grew up to become the leader of the Welch Revival, where it said that in nine months, 100,000 souls were saved in Wales. Because a young boy stood on the offering plate and said, God, I have nothing, but you have me. You can have me. It's like the song Gratitude. I have nothing but a hallelujah to sing unto the king. We have nothing to give God that he needs. He just wants us. You know, maybe that, may that be our hearts to cry today. Lord, you can have all of me. Rob gave us a gift um, last year of a book called New Morning Mercies. And the other morning, this was the quote from it. Your biggest need and mine is a fully restored relationship with God. We were created to live in worshipful community with him. Our lives were meant to be shaped by love for him. If we are still living in a broken relationship to him, we are missing the primary purpose of our existence. You see, through Jesus, we have full access to the Father. If we're living in a broken relationship with God... We're missing the purpose of why we're here. We're missing the purpose of why he created us, of why we exist. We're here to worship him. And I just feel this morning to go into a time of worship for all of us to come forward to the altar. This is between us and God. It's not about you and me or anybody else beside you. It's between you and God of coming back into a place of worship coming back where we're going to give our all unto him. And before we go into that worship, there's a question that we should ask ourselves. How does this scripture speak to my heart? How does this scripture of this old widow impact my life? Am I like her? Am I giving my all to God, knowing and trusting that he'll provide? Or am I holding back a little bit? Am I like the rich men? just showing off and just pretending I'm doing this for God but I'm really doing it for man's praise. You see, through Jesus, we have full access to the Father. So let's be like this widow, whatever area we're at. From today, let us begin to be like this widow, giving her all to Jesus, holding on to his hand as we pour out onto him. Let's be like Evan Roberts, Let's be like that young boy that stood on that plate and said, God, I have nothing, but you can have all of me. You see, through Jesus, we have access to the Father.